0: Hello everyone and welcome to another Quell podcast. My name is Dan and I hope all you lovely listeners are having a fantastic day. Whether you're listening on the way to work or curled up in bed, take a moment to breathe, relax and enjoy what we have for you. So, today we've got an insightful three-way chat between Quell worker Lex and mother and daughter duo Cecilia and Fran. Cecilia is Afro-Indian, while her teenage daughter Fran is mixed race. Lex spoke to the pair about their experiences of racism, discrimination, and thoughts on how a predominantly white society views people of colour in Britain today. Listening as to Cecilia and Fran give their thoughts and experiences on everything from schooling and living in white majority areas to food, culture, and identity.
1: we were just talking about your experience at school. Do you want to just talk a little bit about um, being in an area that is quite white and being in a school that's predominantly white? And can you explain a bit about how that feels and whether you always think about it and whether there's been anything at school that's made you particularly sort of think about that
2: feeling Um, well obviously as you said it's predominantly white area so um, you don't really feel like there's a lot of people that can really relate to you and I haven't really had much experience with racism but um, you still kind of feel like there's something about you that's different and people single you out for that difference especially when you're in a crowd of mostly white people, um, because you obviously look different. And there's a lot of people that can pinpoint you on your differences and can make you feel bad about the way you look and like the way where, where you come from. And it's just difficult when there's not a lot of people that can relate to your experiences.
1: Do you find that maybe in a classroom that you are sometimes singled out?
2: Yeah, a lot of the time when we are talking about um, the N-word, like if we we're reading a story where um, people might feel uncomfortable with the N-word, your main, my teacher most of the time pointing me out, saying, are you OK with me saying the N-word? But um, I'm just like, well, well, there can be other people that don't have to be Black that can still be uncomfortable using this word, so it's not just me that can feel uncomfortable around this word just because it's directed at people like me who are different races. Do you feel maybe sometimes in some way that you're a representative
1: of black people without necessarily, you know, without necessarily sort of wanting to be sometimes?
2: Yeah, because obviously there's quite a few white people, mainly white people. So you feel like your experiences are mainly um, what they ask for because you have the experience firsthand but a lot of the time they don't really realise that they are singling you out, but obviously you're the only one that can really talk from experience, but there's just not really much to talk about when you haven't really properly experienced it, especially at a young age where you haven't really had much experience with other people other than people you've known for a while that know you and that you know won't be offensive or be horrible to you. So it's hard when you haven't, like, expanded the people that you talk to
1: mm-hmm. and do your friends or does anyone like ask you direct questions that you do find a bit awkward have you have you been in that situation
2: um well sometimes I'm asked where I come from it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable um but it it's fine I don't know what I was talking about then. What
1: would you? I mean, if someone did say, you know, where do you come from? What would you? What would you say
2: to that? Well, I know that Mum comes from Mauritius, so, um, but then Dad comes from England, so I would just say I'm um, half English, half African. Yeah. So it's it's not a difficult question to answer. But yeah, they're just it's just a simple question for me.
1: Yeah. Um. And Cecilia, like as,
2: as Fran's mum, you,
1: do you worry about that or did you worry about the situation that Fran would be in knowing that this is a very white area?
3: Um, I probably didn't... I probably haven't immediately worried as such because I guess my experience of growing up in Italy as an adoptive child into a white family where there was a lot of white but where in the sense I had a little bit of privilege of never being made to feel non-white, at least in most of the circles that I was in, kind of made me think that they'd be okay. But I guess when when you do find situations where you hear that... Um, there's been some discomfort in some conversations or some uh levels of um you know prodding maybe and all in a benevolent way but sort of uh that the children have been asked questions you know and how do you relate to that or how does that make you feel i think it brings in a layer of assumption that they would have mm-hmm. um and they might not have mm. um had that experience so i i, I guess the worry comes in there in terms of what added pressure the society bring, especially being in a very white area to people who are non-white of whatever ethnic background they may be to have experiences that they can just pluck out of a hat immediately to describe, oh yes, of course it was like this, because they might not have. Mm. Um, and, and from, from my experience, it, you know, children very often, right from a young age, don't see difference. Mm-hmm. Society points out the differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I guess initially I, I was not particularly concerned and it didn't really strike me, but I think as they have grown older and as they have become more their own person, where dialogues around race happen a lot and where the things that they might be studying have, you know, talk about race and racial issues, that I then maybe think gosh how are they living this issue Um, which would be radically different from mine because they are living at least in a society well they are you know in a family which is mixed race but biologically so Uh, so you know their their challenges might be very different from, from mine and also it's a different period in time so I guess my worries are or on a different level, and, and I think the level might be that society expects people who are not of the majority to have this library of experiences from which others can just learn and that they can draw on, and they might just not have those experiences, and that's an added pressure that I think probably concerns me in you know in society to do with any form of minority and I know in this case we're talking about ethnic minorities but it's that expectation that you know they need to have something in their baggage to be able to bring out as a story
2: Mm -hmm.
3: and and I guess storytelling for me is isn't that it's not having this you know wow I'm going to pull it out of the bag and tell you about this moment storytelling is very much about how you live your daily life and it doesn't have to be a wow moment or a shocking moment or a terrifying moment Mm. albeit for some people it is so yeah for for me that's the pressure so that's the worry but more as they're older yeah um you you feel that there's maybe an
1: expectation for your son and daughter to be able to articulate their feelings or at least i don't know frame them in a certain way that makes it easier for other people to understand or that they're there to like help others understand
3: yeah and yeah and and i think that a little bit detracts from you know other people's ownership of the situation because when when there is a minority there is also a majority and and i think in a lot of cases where you expect a story to be present you're expecting the majority to tell the story. Sorry, the minority to tell the story. So you're expecting. So it's a problem of those who don't belong to make themselves heard or have a story or say something about their fight. Whereas I think it's, it's the wrong way around. Or to justify their feelings yes. about something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and to and to fight to 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 sort of highlight their quest, but but actually. I think sort of diversity benefits all. So it should also really be the majority that says, hey, I want to hear your lived experience. I want to know what it's mm-hmm. like to be you and and have that empathy and that interest mm-hmm. in other people's experiences without, without bringing it up as if it was an, an expected baggage mm-hmm. item that everyone has. Because actually some people... You know just because you're part of a minority or and in this case an ethnic minority you know fran's experience of being mixed race is going to be different from mine yeah you know and we have you know blood relations and we're in the same family mm-hmm. so let alone in the same street in the same town in the same city in the in huge contexts experiences are not the same and um, when we talk about individual lived experiences, is because they will all be tinged with something different and there are always other elements. And, and, and I think bringing, always presenting the minority as having to, you know, be, be, be the sort of fighters for that quest or that knowledge sharing is, is too unilateral mm. um, because I think the, the diversity benefits everyone. It's also a lot more
1: complicated than that, isn't it? Because I think there's a temptation to, do you ever feel, I don't know if you ever feel this, that, that the phrase non-white in itself is a sort of measuring something against whiteness, isn't it? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, so, so and, and the term BAME kind of lumping, lumping everyone together in this sort of other term. Mm. Um, do you have any, do you have any feelings around or any opinions around that labelling, or has it ever been applied to you, like BAME or even minority ethnic, you know? Do
3: you get that
2: at school? How do they use definitions like that at school? Maybe maybe you you don't. Well, they they just define me as black, Not, not really anything other than that. I don't think many people know that I am mixed race, because I guess a lot of allocations to be mixed race is that you'd be a lot lighter because they expect like, cause you've got white and black mixed together, you make a lot light, lighter color. So when they see like a darker person, they'd assume that you're from like a completely black family. Whereas most of my family is completely white. In, in fact, a majority of my family is completely white. Um, when they, they would expect because I am darker than what people would think would be mixed race. That they would think that my whole family is black so they think that i'd have more of an interesting story to tell about like my family and as you said like fights and stuff but i haven't really had that much experience and as being a young person i haven't really had that much interaction with like the, the like the proper real world where people will be harsh and discriminatory against me hmm. that's
3: interesting because a lot of the time, well, a lot of people repudiate the word BAME now, and they, they don't like that, as you say, lumping together. And But society and man make sense with labelling. You know, we try and make sense of the world, allocating labels and boxes to people so that mm-hmm. we feel comfortable and safe knowing that we know what's what's what. Um and we surround ourselves with those who are most similar to us because that's the instinct that we have to feel safer and and, and uh, closer to those who are similar to us. But it's interesting because I actually think that that the all the sort of labelling that happens in, uh, you know, census and any form of sort of questionnaire about ethnic minority backgrounds has so many, uh, you know, uh, elements in the labelling uh, to it uh, and i appreciate that data is important and in a lot of cases it you know it really does matter in terms of representation and making sure that that everyone is heard however i do it does also still reinforce some form of separation you know, giving yourself a label still says, Well, I'm this, and am not this. So it's still about in and out, or my comfort zone is this, and anything outside it is that. It, you know, and, 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 you know, I guess in extreme cases, it reinforces, you know, a, a, a labeling around superiority, um, which, which I think is, is, is damaging. And I, but, but the same token, I do appreciate why we try and make sense of things to, to sort of put people in categories that we kind of assume and we use stereotypes that are unconscious biases, rife and at play by then. But but asking people to define themselves in that way, I think maybe is the wrong step. Everyone should, everyone has a story, but should be able to tell their story when they want if they want and to who they want so it's that expectation of saying well fran or well cecilia you must know what it's like to da. why yeah maybe not and 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 again there's a huge load of assumptions made with well you know you're like this so you must have suffered racism or you look in, you, know, you have this skin tone, so this must have happened to you. Or how do you feel about you know, Michael Jackson you know, blanching his skin? You have to have an opinion about all these yeah. things, which actually may not have, for whatever reason, in France's case, maybe generational uh, and, and young and n- less exposure to certain things. Uh, and in my case, just that doesn't interest me. Um, You know, and it's not a topic that I've been involved in and I'm not knowledgeable about it. And I guess that's that assumption and that expectation that, you know, uh, uh, people who are of colour have to know everything about the quest and the ploy and the the sacrifices that that people during, you know, within the whole of the length of black history have to know. It shouldn't really feel like that. You know, I I think I learn and I'm eager to learn and I'm happy to learn. And sometimes it's a learning curve for me too. So, you know, in in the wake of, or in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, there are a lot of things that I thought, I'm going to look that up or I'm going to find out more about that. And just because I'm a person of colour doesn't mean that I should have that knowledge, or is expected of me to have that encyclopedia, you know, or sort of war and peace chunk of knowledge in my mind about what it was like to be this, and who, who was Rosa Parks, and who was Martha B. Johnson, and you should know these things because you're black. It's that type of societal pressure and expectation that, that people put upon the other whatever the other may be, whether it's dis- disabled or person with disability or, or person of the LGBT community or whatever that may be, to have that because they are in that category. Yeah. And so I think that's where the pressure lies and that's where the distinction between people's lived experience isn't quite fully understood, is that you can have a person with disabilities who doesn't know about Stonewall, or, you know, it, it, there are all these, these uh, sorry, a person LGBT that doesn't know about Stonewall or a person with disabilities who might not know about all the famous people that have current, you know, who have dyslexia and, and didn't you know that Richard Branson was dyslexic and he overcame all his, uh, because disabilities, as we know, are visible and, and invisible. So I think it's that expectation that if you fit for society within a category you have to be hugely knowledgeable about mm. everything that that history and that baggage has, and that's and that's quite a big pressure.
1: Yeah.
3: I th- Does it feel like a bigger pressure now because of um, Black
1: Lives Matter and there is such a sort of spotlight shining on the black experience in particular? Do you feel that there was an expect there is an expectation or there was that you should? know about that stuff. I wonder Fran if if any of your friends were said to, you know, asking you about it or were interested in it and
2: um well when uh, I was on a walk with mum and she was talking to me about Michael Jackson mm-hmm. um bleaching his skin and I I didn't know that. Um so um I was quite taken aback by that cuz just, just because I'm black obviously doesn't mean I know everything about all different races and everything that's happening in the world. And so I went to my friends, I told them about this and they're like, oh, I thought, I thought you would have known that. Surely, surely you should know that. And like, well, why, why should there be an expectation for me to know that? And especially me being young, I don't keep up to date with all the news and everything. And the latest news is like TikTok, famous stars, who's done this, who's done that. Not like proper... Um, what's going on with migrants, Im- immigrants, refugees? What's happening with all that stuff? Mm. It's what for young people, it's more about um, what new makeup look did James Charles do, or what happened to this, who did that, and it's not really focusing on the stuff that is actually like vital in them knowing about um, where people stand in the social ladder and how people are treated with the way they look, the way they are, who they love, who they want to be with, basically, disabilities, everything like that. It's just an expectation that, yeah. Um,
3: I, think, I think it's a valid yeah. point because it also makes you want to think as a parent, I guess, just let the younger generations be don't assign to them things that they should know or uh, are expected to have an opinion about. Actually, their life at the minute, for a 13-year-old, is about TikToks and influencers and, and things like that. And and they've got time to develop and understand more who they want to be, who they want to grow into um, and what type of things they want to learn about. Um You know, my nana always used to say to me that the day you stop learning is the day you go to your grave and I absolutely live by that, but everyone learns differently,
2: Mm.
3: everyone absorbs information differently, everyone is affected by the things around them differently and so we should enable that learning to happen at the time and in the way that it needs to happen um, for that particular individual. And so I I get that maybe younger generations have that pressure when you're of an ethnic minority background. Oh, you should know about the plight of X, Y, Z. Or how come your parents haven't told you about X, Y, Z? Answer, because I'm just 13 and I'm just figuring out certain things and oh I like that boy and I don't like this and I do like this and I want to colour my hair pink and I want to just explore my identity and you know they're they're busy with other things. So you're talking about sort of giving making sure that
1: as a 13 year old Fran has freedom and is not necessarily sort of weighed down with stuff that maybe she's not ready to or interested to learn about as yet and, and shouldn't be expected to know everything immediately anyway so there's some kind of Likeness and freedom and time to sort of just be who you want to be isn't there
3: mm-hmm. absolutely um, but I think also you know she's very aware of of what she looks like and her colour and the fact that she's mix, mixed race but it might not be something that she's ready to distinguish herself with she might want to be known as the arty person not the black mixed race person or the brown mixed race but or whatever the labelling is mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to allow someone's identity to be more than just the colour of their skin or the tone of their skin, albeit that has history behind it. But I think it's it's so important that for young people, they can learn how to grow into a person and they have that space to grow into a person and explore what it's like and, and, and... and, and learn from things that, you know, there will be things that make them feel uncomfortable about the history maybe of um, of other black people or non, non-white. Um, there may be some things that they might want to champion. There may be some things that they're very ashamed of. They're very There may be lots of things within that history that we should allow them to explore and pick up or put down in their own time whilst they're forming who they wanna be. And all those things have to align with the values that they're imparted with from family, from school, from from things like that. So I, I think identity is so sacrosanct in that way that it doesn't just stop with color.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It, it doesn't just stop with what you look like. Um, and that has different weight for different people and some people would say, no, for me, it starts with that, uh, you know, and, and others say, well, actually, I I want to be not seen as that token person. And, and that, that, you know, I think in, in, in older life, translates more into imposter syndrome and, you know, do I belong and why did I get that job? And, you know, why was I, in my case, you know, why was I asked to speak on that panel? And, and you question yourself and you think, oh, was it because I? A, the woman, B, black woman. But a lecturer once told me at university when we were exploring elements of identity and I I did anthropology at uni, um, that actually, even if you are the one singled out or the token person, own it because there is a story behind that and use that platform to share a story. It may resound with people, it may not resound with people, but you have a platform, so use it. And that's not a bad... I I don't think that's a a bad piece of advice at all. And I would say that to anybody, regardless of, uh, you know, uh, colour, sexual orientation, uh, uh, or, or, or any of the nine protected characteristics and all the other nuances that come... With intersectionality, because I, I genuinely feel that society will obviously, will, will very often put you on a podium because they need voices. And even if they've decided that you're that voice because it, you know, they haven't got that type of voice there, doesn't matter. Use your voice, mm-hmm. shout as loud as you can, um, would be my advice. That's really yeah. That's really positive advice. So
1: maybe finally, do you do you sort of um, culturally? Would you are you in touch with your roots? Do you like cook Mauritian food? Are you interested in that side of things, or maybe it's more of an Italian interest? How does that feel for you, like culturally, where you're sort of
2: sitting? Um, well, there's a lot of variety in what we eat. Just with so many cookbooks that mum gets. It's just a variety of different foods. Um, but I wouldn't say specifically I eat um, Mauritian food. I don't really think I've specifically labeled it as Mauritian food. I doubt I would even know it was Mauritian food if I had it. Um, but no, not really. I don't I don't really eat like, culturally specific food. Um, I just eat the food mum makes because <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But, you know it's always good so,
3: yeah Um. yeah I mean I, I personally haven't been in touch with that side so I don't really know Creole Mauritian food um, there's a lot of seafood that's for sure and um, uh, Paul and I went on honeymoon to Mauritius so uh, yeah I've tasted blue marlin which is outstanding it's really? very similar to tuna but has a, a bit of a jazzy twang to it. Um, but no, I think I I probably identify my culinary heritage, I guess, more as the, into you know, as, as part of the adoptive family that I've had. So I grew up in Italy, lived in Italy till I was 19. So for me, it's very much Italian food. Um, Love exploring different cuisines, um, always have. And, and even growing up, honestly, um my mum used to not only cook Italian food, there always used to be, you know, Oriental or um, Lebanese or, you know, lots of different cuisines. So hopefully my taste buds are fairly mature. Um, and I guess I, I, I guess I don't also don't kind of label foods. Yeah. We kind of cook what we like to eat and we explore and definitely look into different cookbooks and things like that and styles, but that's that's a good point. I have never, albeit that's where my origins lie, I've never thought, oh, I want to look into Creole cuisine. Mm. It's not been part of my identity in that way, I guess because it's been so absent. Yeah. It's only been a, a blood... Element mm. rather than a cultural element, yeah. and I guess this brings up nature nurture uh, uh, debates yeah. around that. But you know, I grew up in Italy, my mum was English, my dad's Italian, they both gave me bits of that cultural heritage that I bring with me, yeah. And the other side is maybe more of just a label mm-hmm. that I haven't. Looked into or explored, but it's an interesting one because, you know, in Mauritius we ate Mauritian food and Creole food, which was absolutely delicious. But I've not thought, let me replicate that here, because I guess it's not that much of a part of me.
1: Yeah,
3: it, it, you haven't grown up. You haven't
1: grown up there. You haven't that grown hasn't up with been it. A
3: thing. no, Things um, haven't been passed. Recipes haven't been passed down to you. No, from, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And actually, there's more recipes passed on from my nonna you know on my dad's side mm-hmm. uh, for italian cuisine than anything else
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know her gnocchi or her ragu or does she know. make a good italian from yeah, yeah. nice what pizza pasta
2: uh what well, mom doesn't really make pizza um <laughs> <laughs> i guess this is literally to break all
3: stereotypes
2: <laughs> my mom who's italian doesn't make pizza yeah, yeah. <laughs> see if just order Domino's, eat that and fine. <laughs> <laughs> Although Mum doesn't like Dominoes, so
1: well, I mean, this gets more complicated, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: but yeah, the pasta's always really good. Mm. Um, my favourite one's just like a carbonari one that she does, like lemon, cream, cheese, got some Parmesan on top, sausage meatballs, delicious. So yeah, That's slightly stolen from Jamie Oliver, but <laughs> everything's stolen from everyone there, isn't it? Yeah, just a little piece of everything.
0: Thanks for listening today. Remember, you can always talk to a member of the team here at Pulse should you want to discuss anything. The chat is open 12 till 10pm weekdays and 6 till 10pm at weekends. Take care of yourself and we'll see you again soon. Bye!